So open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Start with just a moment of review here. Just thinking back to you know what we've been studying with Joseph and about you know those 17 years in his father's house and the foundation of his faith that was laid there and then how he's in the in the period of that 13 years of the forging of his faith, the adversity that he's facing now. And um, we're going to see that and maybe even get to the last part, or at least the beginning of it, where it is the reward of his faith, amen, and his exaltation. So um, let's, uh, let's pick up here uh, today with uh, verse, we'll start around verse 21 in, the, in chapter 39. I think that's about where we dropped off last time. And it says on verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, you remember how he got into the prison. I hope you were here last week. Maybe that stuck with you. He got into prison, Brother Terry, because he was falsely accused. And we'll see more about that in a moment. But nonetheless, here he is, Brother Oakley, he's in the prison house, and guess he's still got his partner there with him, the one that's in control, the one that's providentially and sovereignly working on his behalf, and he doesn't necessarily see it. In other words, we don't live by sight, we live by faith, right? Amen? And so faith, evidently, according to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So there's an there's a difference here. So here's Joseph living by faith, and now he's in the prison house, but the Lord is with him. And we saw at the beginning of the chapter, if the Lord be with you, you'll be a prosperous person, prosperous man, as Joseph was. And it says he even showed him mercy. Wow, that's amazing. Remember, we said last week that he could have been killed. Certainly, it could have been an appropriate sentencing for the crime he was accused of, but he wasn't. And not only that, but the Lord, because he is providentially working, has him in a particular place and showing him mercy there. And then, because of his attitude and because of, I think, Potiphar's word to the keeper of the prison, I think he has, he found favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now y'all y'all realize that this is a repeating pattern here. Let's finish this chapter and then we'll discuss it briefly. It says in the keeper of the prison verse 22 committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Sound familiar? Same story. Different place, same story. With Joseph, when he's with the Lord, it doesn't matter again. The cream always rises to the top. How you beat it up, it doesn't matter. He's in charge again. He's completely trusted again. He's the doer of it. He's not even have to be checked on. He does keeper of the prison doesn't even have to check up on him. Everything is is handled by Joseph. So we see this this pattern of in his in his papa's house, he's at the top. At Potiphar's house, for long, he's at the top. He goes to the prison house, brother Roger, even quicker, he's at the top. 
Seems like every time he moves to another place and another level, he moves up faster. You notice that? It's like every time now he's building momentum. Seems like he's going down to the world, but it seems like now he's picking up steam and picking up speed in the will of God. And so he is quickly exalted. But if you think that's fast, wait till the next chapter. Okay, Wait till the next place in his life. If you think he went straight up there, uh, you wait till the next one. So... Let me give you just a few things to think about here as far as typology goes from chapter 39, and then we'll get into chapter 40. So thinking about, again, Joseph being the most complete picture of Christ that we have in the Old Testament. Amen. And so the first thing I want to point out is that Joseph was tempted, but without sin. Right? Does that sound familiar from the book of Hebrews about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he was tempted as we are, but yet without sin? Amen. And then, second, he was falsely accused. Was he not? Was not our Lord falsely accused? And then, of course, he, he offered no defense. We have no record of his defense here at all, just as the Lord Jesus would not defend himself. And, and boy, they couldn't understand that about him, why he didn't try to defend himself. And then we have also that um, we see that uh, Potiphar, I believe, believed that Joseph was innocent. And we know that Pilate also believed that Jesus was innocent, didn't he? He knew it was, but he gave in to the pressure uh, of the Jews. And, and then we see, fifthly, that he suffered severely. Now, in Psalm 105, we know that the Lord Jesus' suffering was beyond uh, measure. It wasn't uh, measurable. But we know that the, that Joseph also suffered, even though we're seeing his rise and we're seeing him be in a position uh, of power and authority here. We also know from Psalm 105, it says that he, uh, they put him in, in uh, bonds and they also hurt his feet, implying that he was shackled. He was in a painful way. Okay. So it wasn't this, this didn't, he didn't get through this without suffering. Amen. And we know we're not going to get through without some suffering in our lives either. Amen. It's ordained for us. It is. Yes, sir. Boy, that's a great point, brother. I haven't thought about that, but you know it did. You know it did. We're all going to get some scars, you know, and um, and those should be memorials to a sense or maybe a, a trophy for us, a trophy of God's grace bringing us through it, you know, when we get those. Not let them be a hindrance to us. Amen? I, if I'm not mistaken, the Lord Jesus did not have his scars removed. I think I heard one preacher say the only thing in heaven that was made by man were those scars. Amen. And he still got them. According to when he showed up to his disciples after he was resurrected, he still has them. Amen. And so, yeah, those scars will be there. What a, what a great point. And you know, I think that Joseph also suffered as the Lord did, not just physically, but mentally. The Lord's suffering was most mainly because of the separation from his father. And now Joseph is in a similar situation here, where certainly he has physical suffering, but he also still has this separation from his father and from his family here, you know, and what all happened with that. And so, you know, Joseph had no idea how this was going to play out. We'll talk about that more later. The Lord Jesus is the only 
one that ever knew in advance exactly how bad it was going to be and what he would face and still willingly faced it. See, we don't know what the outcome will be when we enter into something. But, uh, and God leads us into something. But he knew plain well, and he still was obedient even to the death of the cross. And so we see suffering here is part of Joseph's life as it was the Lord Jesus. And then we see that um, he was also a, um, he was numbered with the transgressors as the Lord Jesus was. And lastly, I see that there were false witnesses just as the Lord had false witnesses. They couldn't get their story together though. You remember that? And, uh, and these guys, I don't think uh, Potiphar believed the story here of the, of the wife or the, the other servants, but nonetheless, here Joseph is. And he's in prison. So let's look at chapters uh, 40, and maybe we'll get into 41 some today as well. But uh, let's just read a, a little bit at the beginning here of this chapter 40. It says, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wrought against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and he continued a season in ward. Verse 5, and, it, and, and they dreamed a dream. A dream both uh, of them. Now, let me just stop there for a second and say in chapters 40 and chapters 41, there's a lot of dreaming going on. And whenever, in the Bible times, when God was doing something, there were a lot of dreams and visions and, and appearances of angels and other things. And we call that, what type of revelation do we call that? supernatural revelation, right? Where God's revealing Himself supernaturally, doing something that's, that we can't do, right? Okay? And why do we not have as much supernatural revelation today? The Bible is complete. Amen? So why does God need to do something like that when He's already right there in your lap giving you His Word? So it's a rare event when, when God would do something supernaturally now. He's going to do it more scripturally, okay, and give us revelation in, in that way. And, and, of course, the working of the indwelling Holy Spirit, taking the Word of God and applying it to our hearts and our lives and our situations. <clears throat> but a lot of people don't get that, and they're still looking for those supernatural revelations. And that's where you get in trouble a lot of times. If you want something like that and reject what you already have, you're sure enough going to get in trouble. Man, you're going to get off track. Because the devil can also give you signs and wonders and emotional experiences and all kinds of other things that happen, right? Amen? So you got to be careful where that's coming from. And I think if we're willing to, um, to obey the Word of God, and then if there's something else that God needs to reveal to us from another place. He can do that, certainly. And in places where the Bible is not readily available, again, I mentioned it before, in places like the Middle East and other places where in the Muslim world in particular, they have a lot in their religion of visions and dreams. And so guess what? God will give them that. What's He going to do when He gives them that vision and dream? He's going to direct them somewhere. He's going to direct them to find Jesus, find the gospel, find a Bible. 
Something like along those lines, he's going to say, go to it, okay? And then as they seek that, then they, a lot of those guys get saved as they obey and do what God says. And I've read a story about one guy. He's in a marketplace, and some guy, he's had one of these visions. He's trying to find the Bible. And some guy just walks up out of the blue and hands him a Bible and walks off. And that's it. Well, maybe I say it was a guy. could have been an angel, I reckon. Or it might have just been an obedient Christian. You know, he might just have that Bible, and then God said, go give it right there. He said, okay, okay, Lord, and he just gave it and went on. He obeyed the Lord. So, you never know what God might do. He might even use one of us. Amen. Wouldn't that be exciting? So, in verse 1, it says, after these things. So, there's a process of time here. And so, remember, in the providence of God, as, as Brother Roger has taught us, that to God, time means nothing. God created time for us. God exists outside of time. But timing is important to God. And then way, the way things and when things come together. So, don't forget for Joseph here, though, as time goes on, he's getting further and further away from the word that God gave him. You remember? Now, he's, he's 15 years out here at least, probably at this point, okay? It's close to it, because he's 30 years old, and, uh, and here we are, uh, he, or he's late 20s, he's probably about 12 to 13 years from this now, but he's going to have some more suffering. He's going to be at least a total of 15 years after he gets the word from God that anything good actually happens in his life. And um, that's important for us to remember there, and I remember... And when God uh, gives gives you a word, it gives you peace in your heart. But then you got to guard that peace. And the Bible tells us to guard the heart because out of it are the issues of life. And you know what? Your faith that God puts in your heart, He gives you a word, and you know that God spoke to you from His word and gave you an answer. But that doesn't mean it's going to come in the next minute or two, next day or two, does it? It could be years. So how do you guard that word? Well, tell you what, thank God we got the Bible, we got the indwelling Holy Spirit, we got a good church to come through and good, good preaching and everything like that to guard that, to increase our faith, to protect it. And, and remember that. Joseph didn't have any of these things and somehow he's hanging on to this word that, that God gave him. And you know, I remember when I got saved, I told y'all before, and, my, and I, as I was asking the Lord to save my dad, who's here today, and um, and man, it was eleven years. It was eleven years, and at times, you know, it kind of got off my mind. Maybe you know what happens is we reason ourselves out of it and say, "Was that really God, or was that just me?" You know, and then you know, you just hang on to what God said. Don't give up on it because God is is always working, even when we don't think He is. Now, let me show you how this works together here in Joseph's life. Because look at verse 6. So they had this dream in verse 5, but look at verse 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. So the first thing you got to know is that Joseph did a great job everywhere he went, right? I, I realized something from this, Brother Roger, that it's a whole lot easier to do a good work when you're concerned about people. If you don't see the people in your work, it's going to be hard to always do a good job. Joseph here is showing up in prison every day, but he's looking at people. 
He's serving. He says he's actually serving these guys. He's serving them. And he notices something because he is interested in people. He cares about people. He sees that they're sad. So look at verse 7. But there's a lot of sad people in prison, don't you think? And a lot of other places, by the way, too. Verse 7. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And evidently this was worse than normal. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. So go back here and think about this for a second. Joseph had discernment and he, because he had compassion. He saw that something wasn't right, but then he didn't just leave it at that. He actually asked a question. He actually asked. So sometimes we get to a point, but we don't take it to the next level. If God is showing you something that's going on and, and, and you sense that He's working, I would say treat that as God's invitation to get involved in what He's doing until He shows you differently. Amen? Y'all follow what I'm saying? If God shows you somebody that's hurting, and you see an opportunity here, assume that that's God's invitation for you to get involved in what He wants to do and pursue it until God says no. Does that make sense? Is that easy enough for us to look around and see where there's a need, see somebody that's hurting, see an opportunity, and say, wow, God showed me that. He must want me to do something about it. And then get involved as you can, as God leads you, and what opportunities you can. I think that's that's good advice for all of us. And then if you ask enough questions, eventually you'll get to the problem. And he said the problem is there's no interpreter. Well, I can imagine Joseph immediately, thank God he's not like this, but you know, here's what we want to do, or I've got the answer. But that ain't what he said. What did he say? God's got the answer. God's got the answer, so let's, let's hear it. Let's see what God says. Amen? Don't let it get about us and make sure it stays on Him. He's the one that can actually make a difference. Amen? And so, He said these belong to God. That gives glory to God. And so they have these dreams and they're basically very similar, but there are differences and certainly a difference of outcome. But in verse 12, He gives the interpretation unto the butler and it's positive. It says, uh, he, he tells him that, hey, you're going three days from now on Pharaoh's birthday, you're going to get lifted back up to your position. And But he asked him to do something in verse 14. Look at this. But think on me, when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, and make mention of me to Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He wasn't enjoying being there. He was ready to get out. He says, would you just mention me to... Pharaoh, when you get back in your position, by faith, knowing that God's going to put him back in his position. I thought about Joseph here, and you know, he showed a great kindness to these men, didn't he? He was just asking, would you show me some kindness? Now, how are we going to respond, though, when somebody doesn't reciprocate our kindness? Do they always? Here's what happens. Now, if you end up expecting or even feeling like you deserve that, you're going to end up bitter if it doesn't happen. Right or right? You see, you end up just... And Joseph doesn't. 
Now, thank God. Now, it was the right thing for this guy to do to show him kindness back. It's the right thing for us to show kindness to everyone, but especially those that have shown us kindness, right? To go above and beyond, to want to be that type of person. But if they don't reciprocate, if they don't pay back, what's our attitude going to be? You know, are we going to trust God? He'll work it out. God's going to take care of us. God's certainly been kind to us. And so, that's Joseph's attitude. Unfortunately, the, the baker, I mean, excuse me, the butler here forgets him. But in verse 16, the baker hears how well that interpretation went. He wants his interpretation, but guess what? It doesn't go as well. He tells him exactly what's going to happen, and he's like, three days, Pharaoh's going to lift your head off of your shoulders. I guess both these guys... Uh, were suspected of some type of crime against the the king, or and uh, and one was found out to be guilty, and the other one must have been somehow uh, exonerated, and so therefore they he got uh, to be replaced back to his position. But listen, when God re- reveals something, it's not always going to be rosy, is it? And this is why sometimes when a person has wisdom, wisdom or discernment, it also brings sorrow. Does that, is that not true? What is, why does wisdom and discernment bring sorrow? Because you can see what's going to happen, and it's not favorable, but you can't make them change. Never happened to you before. You see, you've seen bad decisions, Brother Roger, and you know this is going to end bad. This marriage is going to end bad. It's going to affect their kids. This is going to have a bad outcome here in this family, and they just won't listen. They can't get them to change their mind. Man, that's sorrow. Because you know, you know what it looks like down the road, and uh, and so I think I think no doubt that it wasn't easy for Joseph to tell this man that he's going to have his head taken off, but it was the truth, and he had to. And there wasn't in this situation there was nothing he could do to avoid it. The damage was already done. But in our lives and people around us, certainly, if we'll be faithful to tell and to pray, many of them will change their mind and direction because of the working of God. Amen. And so, verse 23, it says, Yet he forgot him. Another disappointment for for Joseph. And then look in chapter 41, verse 1. Y'all still with me? And it came to pass at the end of how many years? Two full years that Pharaoh dreamed a dream. Dreamed, and behold, that he stood by the river. So now there's another dream going on. It's been two whole years. Nothing has, has changed. He's waiting. Well, let me... Who was waiting here, I wonder? You ever think about that? Brother Roger, didn't you say it's like a chess like a chess game and it's God's move and then it's your move and then it's God's move and then it's your move? And I wonder who's waiting the longest for the other person to move. Are we waiting on God? Or is He waiting on us? You ever thought about that? How many times you think God's waiting on us? You know what? Look what the Bible says. Go to Psalm 105. Hold your place right there. This has been working on me this week. been trying to meditate on this, and I don't think I certainly have all of what this means, but I think the Lord will help us here. In verse 17, we're in Psalm 105. Talking about Joseph, we looked at these verses before. But I want to add something to our discussion from before. Look what it says in verse 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron. That's definitely uncomfortable. Verse 19. Look at verse 19. Until the time that was his, that his word came. Okay. Well, I get that part. 
But look what that last phrase. The word of the Lord tried him. What was the word of the Lord that was trying him? Yeah, I think so. I think he had a clear word from God, didn't he? What's that? I didn't hear that part. Somebody else said something back here? That's it. That's what I heard too. And and anybody else have another comment on that? I'm sorry. I thought that uh, that is exactly what I think. I think that when God gives you a word and your circumstances turn completely upside down and all the way around and everything, everything that looks like you're going the opposite direction of what God said, He wants to see if you're going to trust what you can see or will you trust what He said. Uh, that's the bottom line with faith, isn't it? The bottom line is, are we going to look at what how things look, or are we going to look at what God said? Are we going to look at how we feel, or are we going to look at what God said? Does, does what God said change based on my feelings? No, it doesn't. My emotions can go up and down and all the way around, right? But God's word stays the same. And he gave him a clear word here. And he was trying him. He was, and, and so I think that many times we think we're waiting on God, Brother Johnny. And God's waiting on us. He's waiting on providence. And he's also waiting on our development. Amen. Y'all believe that? God is working on us. Thinking about, uh, you know, Abraham. And gets a promise from God of a son when he's 75 years old. What's he doing those 25 years? Seems like we're waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on Abraham to develop, to be a father, a father of nations. Amen? So it's like, okay, I got you. Okay, he's going to be... Joseph here is being tried by the Word of God. And so don't let our mind, it's our thinking, or in our circumstances, reason away... What God has said. Amen. Not based on circumstances, but what God has said. And even though Joseph every day is getting further and further away, he's still, he's now almost 30 years old. He's, uh, he's not, still not getting anywhere. He doesn't have his, uh, a, a wife or a children. He doesn't have a family. There's not even a family to bow down to him. He doesn't even know where they are. And he's certainly not with them. So, I don't know where you are right now. But I know that God wants us to live right now in the promised land. The promised land is a state of mind, a state of faith, a state of heart. Okay, it's not a position. Is it possible for a man, Brother John, goes to see in the prison, to be in that cell, and to be living in the promised land? Absolutely. Yeah. Living in victory. That's what, that's what the promised land is about, see. It's not about our circumstances. It's not about a location. It ain't got anything to do with a, with a home or, or property. It has to do with your relationship with God. And does the Holy Spirit have all of you? I think in your Holy Spirit class, Brother Roger, you taught us that when we get saved, we get all the Holy Spirit. He just don't have all of us yet. Amen. And then when we start to get sanctified and grow and we begin then to, to enter into some type of service, now the Lord will fill us with His Spirit for that act of service. Not for our self-edification, not for our emotions and our experience. There's never any place in Scripture where that happens. It's for a level of 
service or for somehow exalting God. Amen? And so that's where a lot of people, Brother John, that you deal with in the prison got that experience thing messed up. They want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so they get some kind of feeling out of it, some type of personal experience. But that's not the scriptural. Not at all. I think if they get that figured out, they would, uh, they'd be a lot better off. And so, let's look on here and see what, what's going on. So just think about what you're waiting on. Let's think about it, okay? If, if you're waiting on your kids to get right with God, maybe you're waiting on your kids to get married or get to the right person. I mean, maybe, you, maybe it's your grandkids. I don't know. Maybe it's in your own relationships. Whatever it is, just remember that God is, is bringing it. He's bringing His will to pass if you're submissive to it. And in the meantime, He's preparing you. That makes sense? I remember that there was a six-year wait between... Uh, Dennis and uh, Samuel and Faith, six years, you know, uh, or six years we have tried, let's put it longer than that, six years that we were trying to have more children after we became Christians. And uh, no, every everyone just, no, miscarriage, three tubal pregnancies, four pregnancies, and no child to show for it, no fallopian tubes left. I mean, I didn't have a word like Joseph did. All I had was a desire. But you know what? It was God's will, and he did bring it to pass. But in the meantime, he was working on me. And he was helping me. He was helping me. He was making me to understand that he's bigger than what he can do for me. Amen? It's beyond what he provides with his hand. It's his person that you ultimately want to go after. When you get that right, every he can give you, he can trust you with the rest now. If he would have given me those children earlier on, I don't know if it would have turned out the same. God knows. See, there was a process that needed to happen in me. He needed to do in me. And then when that was complete, he said, okay, now you can have them. I don't care. I want it all along. I knew what was coming. By the way, thank you all that, those of y'all that supported Faith yesterday. I know some of many of y'all saw her recital. That was a great blessing. You know, it, it... as your esteem of something goes up, your value of your money goes down. Do y'all understand that? Yeah, y'all get that? Yesterday, that money that I invested in faith hit zero. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that meant nothing compared to what God has done. See, it was an investment. You look around, and all of a sudden, you never regret spending money on something that develops like that. So don't... Hinder, don't hold back. If it be possible, you pursue the will of God. I gotta, I gotta stop for a minute right here and say, you know, when Joseph, he's about to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a word from the man of God means more than a hundred experts. Or a thousand experts, or a million experts. Doesn't matter because when I, Brother Roger, you probably don't even remember this conversation, but I can't remember exactly where we were, if we were in my office or if we were out to lunch. But I asked him one time, I said, if you had it to do over again, what's something you would do with your kids, or what did you do with your kids that you thought made a difference? And he said two things, and one of them was music. And I tell you what, you never know. And you know, I took that to heart. Both those things you told me, I did. And I didn't know at that time, Faith was probably 
two or three years old. I didn't know that God was going to gift her to be gifted in music. I just knew it would be good for them. And by the way, all of our kids play instruments and do different things because it's good for them. They may not be gifted that way, but it's still good for them. So thank you, Brother Roger. Thank you for just sharing, you know, some wisdom with me and uh, for God giving me the opportunity. But let me say this. You may not have a specific word from God about a situation, but you do have a word from God. You know what the word from God is? It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know what that comes down to? Are you going to trust your circumstances? You're going to trust that word. Did God change in any way? Is He still the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him? Or is that no longer true if things aren't going your way in life? Is it still true? Still true. What about Romans 8.28, right? For we know that God works all things together for good. Those that love Him called according to His purposes. Is that still true? Even if our, our, our circumstances don't look favorable? Is that still true? So are you going to exercise faith in what God said, or are we going to live by our circumstances? This is where God, this is where He develops us. This is the way He, he tries us. Amen? And by the way, Brother Roger, I'm kind of like you. I wish God would just send me a, a, an email or a text or something, you know, we just know exactly what God wants us to do. I noticed He didn't do that with Joseph. And you know what? After I realized what, he, what Joseph went through, I'm glad God don't send it for me. You understand what? Can you imagine? He said, all right, son, you want to know my will. Here's what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to have you, your, your brother's going to hate you. And then on top of that, they're going to sell you into slavery. And you're going to go to a foreign land completely by yourself. And then you're going to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. And then you're going to get to my ultimately my will. And then his daddy says, hey, son, I want you to go out and check on your brothers and the sheep. Um, that... I'm really busy around the house right now. I'm not sure I'm available. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. You think we really jump right in on something like that? No, we're going to be like, Anybody, you know what we're going to be doing? Waking up every morning worrying about, is this the day he's going to send me over there? No, God's good. He don't give us that. He don't give us more than we can handle. He just gives us grace when we get in it. Amen? He brings us through. He's with him, not ahead of him. Amen. And he don't give us advance notice. And I'm beginning to realize I need to thank God for that. Because that is definitely would be a tough one for us to take. So let me give you quickly some ideas here how to prepare. We'll finish with this thought. How do we prepare? While we think we're waiting on God, God's probably waiting on us. How do we are to get ready for when God does begin to move quickly? Because when God does work, it seems like he works slow, but no, he doesn't. He works Quickly, when the timing's right, things change in a hurry. And I think I remember Brother Ed saying this when he ministered to the to the black folks in America, and he said that that those people would say that God's never late, but rarely early. Amen. He don't get early either. He's right on time. You know, you think he's late, but he's not. But I promise you, he's not going to be early. And so, how do we prepare? Number one, and you might want to write this down. Number one, say yes. Say yes. Yes to what? First of all, say yes to God's will. Say yes to it. Number two, if you're looking for how God might use you, whenever somebody says something, uh, hey, Brother Mark, yes. 
Just go ahead and practice that, all right? You don't even need to hear the rest. Brother John, yes. Just, just practice that, okay? You can get out of it later, I'm sure. I don't want to hurt you. And look, so number one, practice saying yes. Number two, submit yourself to whatever God has for you. Now, this is... Brother John, I don't even remember the year this was. When was the first time, when we went over there to Lichner, over there, you had a group of guys that went over, and Brother Roger preached over there, you preached, I preached some. Um, I don't remember the year, but that's the first time I ever went to the, to the jail, or to a prison. And uh, you know what, I, I, I came out of that experience and said, nope, it ain't for me. No, mm-mm. those guys, not sincere. Everyone, just about every one of them, repeat offenders. I said, no, no, mm-mm. this ain't this ain't my cup of tea. I'm not. I don't have the grace for this. And then I got this guy in my office. It's half, at least a half a bubble off, right? At least you know, at least a half a bubble off. Okay, he's got it all straightened out now because he's in glory with the Lord. Okay, but he done went on. But but brother Jim Adams, he'd say, when are you gonna come to the prison and preach with me? I said, what? I just give him some excuse. I don't know, whatever, maybe, later. When are you going to come? 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 Finally, I said, man, I'm going to go. Okay, just, just set it up. I'll come over there, you know. And, and then the rest is history. You know, it's like God just, you can't choose. God knows what's best. So you got to get in there sometimes, Brother Kevin, just to know what if this is really what God wants for you or not. So I think these two go together. Submit yourself to anything, but say yes. And... um you know, now God's given me a vision here for like a, a East River Baptist prison ministry. I, we already got Brother Rogers now certified a volunteer. We already got Brother John. We got uh, Brother Doug's doing a great job. Went with me a couple of times. And I think there's three other guys getting that way, you know. So who knows what God might do? You know, it's up to him. But if he does, I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. The third thing. And Brother Roger preaches this message. He preached it in prison for the guys, and they still remember, and it's been at least probably about a year since he preached this, at least over six months. But they still talk about it. And that's his baseball diamond in, from First and Second Timothy where he says, first you have to become a son. That's first base. Well, here's my next point is the second base is you got to be a soldier. So if you are a son, you're already born again, now you better develop a soldier's mentality really fast because if you got saved, you just got in a war, you might not have even known what's going on. And that means you probably get your head taken off if you don't get ready and get your helmet on pretty quick. Amen? So get a soldier's mentality. That's second base. Now third base, this will be our fourth point, is that you got to become a student. That's 2 Timothy 2.15, right? So as a soldier, Brother Terry, you've got to endure hardness. That's the point. There's going to be some hard things. But as a student, you've got to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, right? Rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to learn how to... Now you've got to get into being a student, learn a little bit about your Bible. And then, lastly, you've got to be a servant. That's home base. You get to a servant. You get to wash somebody else's feet. You get to look for what, what God, how He's going to use you. Amen? And we'll, we'll stop there. we got guys outside the door already. And so, I'm still on, uh, I guess I'm still on uh, yesterday's time. My watch is not uh, correct, but I think we're all okay. Hope y'all didn't lose too much sleep last night getting up at 2 o'clock to reset your clocks, you know? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for a wonderful day and a good opportunity. Thank you for our pastor, and Lord, pray you'd use him real good today, Lord, and uh, pray that our hearts would be prepared and ready to receive the Word of God and to see what you're doing, Lord, and accept your invitation to get involved in your work, Lord. And we thank you, God, for uh, what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen.